Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Fly Me to the Moon, it's episode number 69 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the world's most family-friendly Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual, direct from Melmac, is Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing, Liam? 69, dude! Whoa! It is episode number 69. I was going to not make some sort of infantile joke about the number of the episode, Liam, but I'm glad that you jumped right in there. Well, I feel like it's just below 420 in the realm of infantile numbers. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think it goes... 420, 69, and then 5-0? The 5-0, the popo? I, I think so, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. Liam, how are things in the O'Donnell household? Uh, they're pretty good. I'm currently anxiously watching my sleeping baby over a monitor because I mm-hmm. feel like it's too hot in her room and she's going to wake up, but I don't know if that's true. And I'm scared to go find out because I'm worried that will also wake her up. And this is the bind I find myself in. It's like a weird trap, a mental maze that I don't know how to solve. I have an idea, Liam. Yeah. So you know how the human uh, body and humanity as a whole, we're very good at getting used to things, even very difficult things. So what you should do is play loud music all the time in your household, mm-hmm. right? Just really loud all the time, mm-hmm. a cacophony. Mm-hmm. Keep it down to a dull roar when your daughter's trying to sleep. And she will acclimatize herself to this kind of music, and nothing would be able to wake her up. See, this is what you say, right? But what I've mm-hmm. what I've found is that that's true. If a fire alarm goes off, she doesn't wake up. If there's oh. music and movies, she usually doesn't wake up. Uh, if she hears the creaking of her bedroom door, that oh. can sometimes wake her up. So that's why I'm a little anxious about it. Also... Uh, you got to go do some dumb thing tonight, so I got to hurry up and get this done as opposed to, like, making you wait for me to go check on my baby. We're recording a little early tonight, Liam. I know. We are. It's, it was a little unsettling. My, I haven't quite let my dinner um, rest enough yet. Well, I'll make sure you have plenty of opportunities to go potty on this episode, Liam. Oh, I appreciate that. Okay, shut up, Liam. Today's guest is a musician, a comic book junkie, and writer for Cinepunks.com. It's the always outrageous Adriana Gober. How you doing, Adriana? Uh, I'm well. Uh, thanks for having me, Doug and Liam. Is it Adriana or Adriana? Adriana. Although Adriana. I'm not too fussy about it. Some people are fussy. Some people are very fussy. Like if I call Liam Liam, he gets very, very upset. <laughs> well, who else would say Liam except for well, you? Well, lots of people. I, I Certainly, if you're a worldly person like me, you run into people all the time. Adriana, what do you think of Eric Roberts, the actor? Um, I think Eric Roberts is pretty great. Okay. Now, if you were to rank him out of all the actors in the world, <laughs> nothing to, nothing funny about that. All the actors in the world, what percentile would he find himself in? Top 10? Top 1%? I mean, let's just uh, let's just hash it out. Oh, uh, geez. I mean, the, the pressure's on now. Um, <laughs> well, I've never been very good at math. Uh, I don't know. I would say he'd be like, he's pretty high up there. Pretty high up there. Now, I was looking for something a lot more specific than pretty high up there. Let's get a percentage. Let's do it. 10, 20. And I am going to hold you to it, so please, let's hear it. Um, I don't, I don't know which one, which, see, this is how bad I am at math. Like, is the higher, is it, like, the, is the 80th percentile considered, like, really good? Uh, you know what? For the purposes of this, let's say yes. <laughs> Please cut this out. Okay. 80th percentile is where Eric Roberts comfortably fits in the in the history of all uh, actors. Liam, what do you think? Which percentile do we fit Eric Roberts into? Um, I don't understand math enough to answer this question, but uh, I am. Dear God, what are they doing <laughs> in, oh, I feel in, in now. Philadelphia? But, I, but but I do remember the famous Karis one quote. Um, I'm number. I'm numbers one, two, three, four, and five, and I feel like that qualifies for Eric Roberts. Well, that's a very kind thing to say. So here's something that we need to get off of our chests right off the top, and this isn't necessarily Eric Roberts related. You see, 
this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, we have a very interesting uh, piece of work to examine. And that piece of work involves a talk show from the early 2000s. And that talk show was hosted by ALF. Now, I want to think that most of the listeners of the show know who ALF, ALF is. But that's probably not really the case, Liam. Because, you know, for one thing, the sitcom that he was featured on uh, was from the 1980s. And we, of course, have a lot of young listeners here on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And even this particular talk show uh, only lasted for six episodes, wasn't particularly popular, didn't do very well in the ratings, and uh, if I could be so bold, was not very good. So uh, so I, I worry that listeners are not going to know what or who ALF was. So, Adriana, since you are our guest today, what's ALF all about? Um, well... Mm. Can I use your outline as a reference? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Let's let's just let's just start with the basics. He is a puppet. Yeah, he's a puppet, I mean, and uh, his name is an acronym. It stands for Alien Life Form, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I <laughs> I have to say I'm not too familiar with the sitcom. Uh, mm. As a kid, I caught it in syndication, and I never really revisited it because, to be honest. The entire concept of ALF and its appeal is something I've never understood. But uh, what, from what I gather, he's an alien who arrives on, on Earth, and he's from a planet that's named after some kind of uh, ceramic material. <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> um, and he, I guess he uh, shacks up with his family, and uh, hilarity ensues. I think that's a fair way to put it. He was uh, he was in that that kind of realm of sitcoms in the 1980s where you had a regular family and you would introduce some sort of wild element into it. So you had your perfect strangers and you added your Balky. You had your family matters. You added your Steve Urkel. You had, in this case, a family, the Tanners, and you introduce a puppet alien from the planet Melmac and uh, and – he also likes to eat cats. We should put that front and center. Wait a and, minute, wait a minute. And, so you're suggesting mm-hmm. that Alf is the JJ of the series? Yes, absolutely. Because no, without no. Alf, without Alf, there's no show. No, right? but what I'm with, saying without, is without what's her name from Small Wonder, there's no show. No, no, it's just no, no, a family. No. I think doing you're things. conflating things that are that are unrelated in that uh so Urkel or JJ or um those sorts of characters are not meant to be the center, and they become the center because people are terrible. Whereas, oh, I'm not trying to say they're necessary. Okay, so yes, Alf is absolutely the center, he's and Balky is probably yeah, and the center as the well. Center. But like both JJ Urkel, and I think there's a number of others that fit the description you were using earlier. Those were not those were not meant to be the center, but it's just those were the only things people actually cared about. But the, the reason that they cared about it is because all the action would generally center around it because it would be so much easier to write for these wildcard characters rather than write about family issues, right? Or some sort of family dynamic. I think the whole dynamic. first season of Family Matters, Urkel's just a side gag. It's only later on that they start – he's got the the twin and the clone and the whatever the fuck else. That all came later on when they were like – Stefan Urkel? Yeah. All that shit happened later when they started to get desperate to keep people watching. I think, uh, and I was a long-time watcher of uh, Family Matters. It was a very terrible show. Yeah. And uh, and I think in some ways you're you're absolutely right, Liam, though. I think that the popularity of Steve Urkel even grow, grew throughout that first season. But be that as it may, why don't you just shut up? Because I want to hear your thoughts on ALF, the alien life form from Planet Melmac. I mean, I'm right in the age group. I, I think, uh, I think uh, people who study generations, you know, uh, we're... I'm like the uh, ex-lennials, you know, the mm-hmm. the mushing mm-hmm. together of Generation X and Millennials. Mush so, it, boy. So, like, right when ALF came out, that I was the prime age group for that, in that, like, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't smart enough to get that it was bad writing, but I was old enough to think ALF's cynical jokes were funny. And, I mean, he ate cats. There's something so unnecessarily morbid in the show about him and eating the fucking cats that as a kid I was like, yeah, this is what I need. It sort of took the weirdness of a Gonzo character to, like, a next level, like a kind of Oh, dark. that's an interesting. Yeah, Yeah, well, because Gonzo was weird and everyone knew. He fucked chickens weird. and yeah, Alf eats chickens, cats. But, uh, yeah. Well, and Alf kind of had this, like, hey, I'm kind of tough, you know, whatever thing that was like. 
there was something about it that I kind of liked. And then they had the cartoon later. The cartoon was even right. fucking worse. But as a kid, again, I kind of was like, I don't know. It's fun. It's more Alf. That's fine. And it's only in retrospect that I find out, like, you know, it, Alf was kind of like a cultural punchline and, like, didn't really do As far as I was concerned, Alf was the height of television when I was watching it. <laughs> now, Alf was big in the 1980s. Uh, pop culturally, he was everywhere. There was tons of merchandise. As Leah mentioned, there was a cartoon show. And then the 1990s hit like an atom bomb. And Alf suddenly wasn't cool anymore. And he sort of went away. There was, a, uh, I think, a television movie in the late 90s with Martin Sheen in it, if I remember correctly. So fucking which, uh, good. Briefly, fucking good. Which, br- which briefly brought him back. And then there really was a lot of silence and a lot of jokes made at Alf's expense until Alf's uh, talk show, which we're going to talk about on this episode. Uh, before, again, we finish up with Alf before returning to him. Adriana, back to you for a second. What? How would you describe Alf's sense of humor? Terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's a, that is a good, accurate word to use to describe Alf's sense of humor. From what your memories are of the sitcom, Adriana, do you think that the sense of humor that we see on display in this talk show is representative of the humor from back then, or or is it just hard to say from uh, from that kind of cloud of nostalgia? Um, yeah, unfortunately, I I think it's kind of hard for me to say. I remember vaguely like some juvenile humor, like fart jokes and things like that. Um, I think maybe uh, the humor, if you want to call it that, in this talk show is a little bit more crass. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm again, by no means, uh, well-versed in Alfdom. So I can't really speak to whether or not the talk show is very representative of, uh, the character as a whole. Sure. And honestly, neither can I. It's been a very long time since I watched either the cartoon show or the sitcom. We should mention, by the way, that Alf is voiced by Paul Fusco, who is a, a voiceover artist who then, of course, gained his greatest fame as the voice of Alf and has continued to do that voice. I think he even did it on the cartoon show. So there is some continuity. When we watch Alf on this uh, talk show, he sounds like the Alf that I remember. So that that was both nice and disconcerting, as we'll get to in just a little bit. But before we get to Alf and his... Uh, uh, ongoing work and talk show, we need to get into the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's The Roberts Report for episode number 69 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. Follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts. All one word. And boy, he's been tweeting a lot lately. Have you noticed that, Liam? Yeah, actually. I don't usually notice him on my feed that often, but I have lately. Well, our first uh, uh, excerpt from the Eric Roberts Twitter feed, Liam, is a little self-serving. I have to admit it. It's actually Eric Roberts uh, quote tweeting. Uh, a, a tweet from the Eric Roberts is the fucking man Twitter account, where we were talking about that uh, on the most recent episode, we, of course, had the guest Oliver Ridge, who directed a wonderful short film called Bluebird, uh, which is a, 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 a tribute to the poem by Charles Bukowski. And Eric Roberts quote tweeted it and said, would love to know what you think, Keaton Simons. I know you love Bukowski. And that's kind of funny to me, Liam, because as we uh, discussed at length on that episode, Eric Roberts does not like Charles Bukowski. No, definitely does not. Adriana, your thoughts on Bukowski? Um, well, I I never was a, much of a fan of his writing, and I think he was kind of a drunk, misogynist asshole. So mm-hmm. <laughs> That sounds right. <laughs> well, I will say that our recent guest, Oliver Ridge, would disagree with you. Actually, I don't know if he would. He probably wouldn't. He probably would agree with every point you had to make. I will say that my experience with Bukowski's writing was very limited, but I do have to say I liked Bluebird as a poem very much, Liam, and I think you would agree with that. That's true. Maybe it's because it shows a little bit more, even though he's known as sort of uh, um, a hardened drunken figure with with a, a, an air of sensitivity about him something that that really focuses on that sensitivity is something that i think was was refreshing i guess to read liam would you agree with that um yeah i guess so but i i, I don't know i i guess if i was more cynical i might suspect that that uh bluebird inside of him is helpful for justifying all of his um awfulness on the outside I, I think that's an interesting point. It's something I think you should explore more in some sort of essay format. Adriana, you like music, right? 
I do very much. You know, Keaton Simons is a musician, and he's a stepson of Eric Roberts. Uh, and uh, maybe one of these days we should have Keaton Simons on the show. He, I think he's played with such luminaries as uh, David Duchovny, the X-Files actor, <laughs> uh, as well as uh, Chris Cornell, the late lead singer of Soundgarden. But uh, I want to turn to you for a second, Adriana. What would you consider the best live band you've ever seen? Oh, geez. Um, mm-hmm. Well, the band that immediately comes to mind is Swans. Okay. I, uh, I've i seen Swans five times. And that, uh, I mean, it's, I find it difficult sometimes to to talk about live music without sounding really pretentious. But um, Swans especially is music that when you go see them, it's a very uh, sort of transcendent experience because mm-hmm. the, it, the music is so loud that it actually develops a kind of physicality. Like you can feel it on you. And uh, I kind of, they, I don't know if you're familiar with what they sound like live, but they do a lot of sort of uh, heavy drone material. So right. um, I find it very easy to sort of like disappear within myself. And I just, it's very cathartic. Uh, so I enjoy their live shows very much um beyond that uh trying to think who else was just really good um well uh, let's leave that behind because i think that's a great answer but it does beg the question what's the worst live band that you've ever seen uh i don't know i don't have i don't have an immediate answer for that i know there's been some shows where like i really wasn't into it but uh uh nothing nothing comes comes to mind for me right now sorry that's a disappointment no, no, not at all. I respect your unwillingness to throw anyone under the bus. However, I know someone who's eager to throw someone under the bus, and that's my co-host, Liam O'Donnell. Liam, let's start with your worst live experience. What's the worst live band you've seen? That's hard to say, uh, as you know, because you won't let it alone. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been to many a punk show, and so to pick a worst out of a sea of young bands very sincerely trying to figure their stuff out but having not you're right figured their i stuff can see out. what you're saying let, let's 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 keep it to uh a band that is potentially recognizable oh blonde redhead oh what was so bad about that i just hate them they're just a bad, just <laughs> why a did bad you go band. to the show why uh, would you opened, go see them for interpol that that will happen hey liam what's your favorite interpol album I don't know what's I, I don't remember the names of them. What's the name of the first record? I think the Turn on the Bright Lights. I think that might be my favorite one. Does that have um No, I don't remember the name of the song, so it doesn't matter. I haven't listened to yes, Interpol. Yes, it does. <laughs> I haven't listened to Interpol in a very long time. Um, but I remember liking the first record more than the second record. I think everyone agrees with that. Uh, what's your number one greatest live uh, band performance that you encountered, Liam? It's also difficult because mm-hmm. um, when it comes to something like seeing a hardcore band, you're not actually just evaluating the performance. You're evaluating how the crowd responds and your experience and whether you got knocked out or not. But when it comes to like the actual performance on stage, it's actually probably a tie. Ooh, no. I'm changing it in my head. Yeah, a tie between <laughs> The Roots and TV on the radio. Um, it used to be Arcade Fire, but I, I had I had such a similar engaging experience with TV on the radio in a much more intimate way. Whereas mm. Arcade Fire, it's more like the stage performance at the time. This was um before the record everybody hated. Uh, that their stage performance was so impressive that that alone, I was like, wow, there's so much going on here, and I just can't believe how. Uh, how much they've put into this, that in and of itself. But then uh, the roots just are, it's just this unbelievable, just all together performance. And I had seen them. And the thing is when I first got into the roots, they were still doing those shows that were like the roots presents. So you were really only getting like 10 roots songs maybe. And it was always between other artists. And those shows were all amazing shows, great shows. Anytime I get to see black thought rhyme is great, but the reality was like they weren't root shows. So then later on, like later roots, like just before they were on the Tonight Show, I got uh, the secret hookup for a party they were doing. It was like supposed to be like mm-hmm. a promotional thing, and uh, we knew a guy who worked security, so he got us in. And seeing them at World Cafe Live, which is not a big venue, that was just 
just them in that small space was like, oh, my God, just so alive and so crazy. And it's weird to be like, wow, here they are later on, later era, older. But because of the difference in circumstance from when I saw when I was younger, it was actually way more engaging than I had memories of them as a kid. Is this what Cinepunks is like? Do you just go on and on and no one ever tells you to stop? Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) On February 18th, Eric Roberts tweeted, I take the Me Too movement very seriously, but there needs to be something for our girl Brooklyn here, who is constantly being harassed by our boy Wonder. Meow too? Question mark. And he this this accompanies a photo (laughs) of two of the uh, the the cats owned by Eliza and Eric Roberts, uh, Wonder and Brooklyn, and we can see that they're that it appears that Wonder is giving some sort of like mean look to Brooklyn here, and uh, and yeah, so this tweet is is not actually equating the Me Too movement with the harassment of one cat by another, but suggesting that there should be another movement to avoid cats from harassing each other. Over to you, Adriana. Do you have a cat? I don't have a cat. I did have two cats, and they are both dead. I'm, I am absolutely sorry to hear that. Do you have any pet at the moment? No. That's probably a good thing, because they can be a real pain in the ass, or they might make you tweet things like Eric Roberts has tweeted here. What do you think of this tweet Adriana, do you think it's in <laughs> poor taste, uh, to or is it or is it just sort of uh, um, a lightly playing off the fact that Me Too has become such a kind of internationally recognized hashtag? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably closer to the latter. Like, I don't, I don't think there were any sinister intentions uh, in this tweet, but uh, it is kind of goofy and maybe a little tone deaf. <laughs> do you worry about <laughs> Eric Roberts' cat Brooklyn? Being harassed by their boy cat Wonder? Um, not particularly. <laughs> okay. I, have, I mean, look. I have no uh, investment in uh, the goings-on of Eric Roberts' cats. Well, I'll tell you who does have an investment. Liam O'Donnell and Doug <laughs> Tilly, the hosts of Eric Roberts and the Fucking Man. <laughs> because we know a surprisingly large amount about the cats that live in the Eric Roberts household. Oh, so because much. Because we... We've watched the My Cat from Hell episode, Liam, which uh, which introduced us to Brooklyn, and I guess Wonder, well, uh, and Stevie. Mm-hmm. Eric Roberts is on an episode of My Cat from Hell. Oh, oh you gotta does. watch it. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, is this, we the, have is this such, the show such... with Jackson Galaxy that I'm Jackson Galaxy is oh the host of My Cat from Hell, and there was an episode in 2017 featuring Eric, Eric and Eliza Roberts. However, for some reason, they do not mention in the entire segment that Eric Roberts is a famous actor. He's just a guy named Eric Roberts and that, that Jackson Galaxy visits to help with their cat problem. I As soon as we're done with this, I'm like finding that episode to watch <laughs> It, look, we're doing good work here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Liam, what do you think about this tweet? Do you think – were you a little bothered by it or did you think it was just kind of a jokey thing that's not a big deal? I might have been bothered by it if we hadn't met him and I get that like this is exactly his sense of humor, this like uh, embarrassing uncle sort of thing he has going on. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad that he starts with I take the Me Too movement seriously. I do think I actually, he's he's being sincere about that. Again, with the knowledge that this could be Eliza writing this and not Eric at all. Yeah, totally. I mean, I you know, this could actually be more embarrassing than it is. It's not that and it's really not that embarrassing. It's just I think Adriana really hit it. It's it's a little tone deaf and it's kind of like um it's not time yet. Like I actually do think like there will be a point where Me Too jokes not made by uh, people who are just angry and like making an angry point about it. Like that might, there might come a time when that seems like a cool thing. But like right now, like old ass Eric Roberts being like, who just like my cats, meow too, is like, ah, bro. <laughs> like this is, you're, you're a good six months too early on this shit. Like give it just a little bit of time, hold that picture in your draft folder, and then, you know. Bust this out maybe in a year and see what happens. Well said, Liam. Uh, I I wasn't going to mention this article. It's from the Daily Mail. And frankly, when the Daily Mail features Eric Roberts, uh, because they're kind of a rag and they kind of suck as a piece of journalism, they tend to be kind of exploitative. And this is a very exploitative article. It's called, May Need a Bit of a Ride. Julia Roberts' brother, Eric, 61, is pushed through JFK in a wheelchair after tweeting about his slightly injured hip. So apparently Eric has injured his hip at some point in the recent past, and he was going on a flight and needed to be wheeled in a wheelchair. And they've used this ridiculous photo of him that I've included here, where he has his tongue sticking out of his mouth, and they 
and in various articles and in the image that's on social media, they do a close up of this image, which makes him look like this maniacal person. But it's, you know, it's just a guy who needs to use a wheelchair because he's hurt his hip. I don't know why it's news. And frankly, I was a little insulted by it, Liam, even though I've decided to talk about it here. But we do wish uh, a speedy recovery to Eric Roberts. Hopefully he's already back on his feet. And he does have a very cool looking um uh, what what would I call that, Liam? Some sort of cane that he has in his hands in this photo. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I uh, it almost looks like part of it's bamboo or something with a very nice wood handle. It's actually a pretty mm-hmm. nice cane. I'm I'm kind of impressed. Global Genesis Group acquires Panamanian feature Beyond Brotherhood. Beyond Brotherhood is the directorial debut from Panamanian filmmaker uh, Ariane Benedetti, I will say. It features a diverse cast of accomplished American and Panamanian actors, including Eric Roberts from The Dark Knight. Uh, keep your eyes out for Beyond Brotherhood. It should be hitting VOD in the near future. But speaking of available Eric Roberts work to watch, currently out in select cinemas and available on VOD is 2018's Days of Power. Uh, Not to be confused with the gay superhero movie Surge of Power, which came out just a couple of months ago. This one is directed by Jason Pagnoni, and uh, the plot is as follows. On their 2010 tour, an international pop star and bandmates mysteriously disappear. As past and present merge, they find themselves searching for answers and fighting for more than just their own lives when a concealed industry is revealed. It features Eric Roberts as Nick. Eliza Roberts also features as Miranda. And my understanding, Liam, is that this is kind of a message movie. That plot kind of sounds like almost like a generic horror type thing, but it's actually about like puppy mills, I think is what they're trying to reveal here. It has something to do with animal rights, certainly. And uh, and this is kind of what they're pushing in the marketing for it. I, I read the Los Angeles Times review and uh, it ends with, Unnerving camera work, editing, and sound design rule this nightmarish, non-linear effort, which features credible glimpses into the world of celebrity, if not the music business itself. But dialogue, characterizations, and acting, Eric Roberts has a negligible cameo, feel decidedly secondary to the film's mo- more jarring, visceral elements. Uh, what are your feelings about animal rights, Adriana? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm, pr- I'm pro-animal rights. Well, I'm glad you didn't say you were anti-animal rights. But, I mean, is there a particular uh, uh, area of animal rights that you feel particularly strongly about? Uh, no, just across the board. <laughs> Pro-animal all the way. Liam, I know that you love to eat meat. And, in fact, I, I think you said before that factory farming is your favorite kind of meat. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, God, yes. What I want to do is I, – what I really don't want is I don't want to be eating something and think, I bet this animal had a good life. Like I really want to know that like the suffering that led up to their murder for me like is all part of the – I think I just think meat from a very unhappy, frightened, possibly mm. covered in shit, its own oh, shit goodness. or other shit uh, is just really the, the, the meat for me. I think you could really taste the sweet release of death in it. I think that's what makes all the difference, don't you think? Oh, God, I hate you so much. <laughs> I was just going along with your little funny play that you were I know, but this is there. the worst. You should have just pushed against it. I don't like this play, but you set, me, <laughs> you set me up for it. I couldn't go anywhere else. Liam, should we become vegetarians or vegans or Episcopalians? Uh, wait, is that right? <laughs> Should we stop eating meat, Liam? Uh, probably. Yeah. It's better. It would be better for the planet if we all, if not, gave it up entirely. Certainly, uh, it's not uh, that difficult to do. Yeah. Have you given it up, Adriana? Have you given up meat? Yeah. You know that uh, Morrissey guy, who I think that you're aware of. uh, He says that meat is murder. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I agree. Liam, do you agree with uh, Morrissey's anti-immigrant uh, status? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can we move on from Morrissey? <laughs> What's your favorite thing about Morrissey, Liam? <laughs> um, uh, there's not really anything. How about Suede Head? You like that song? Nope. Liam, what do you think about this movie we were just talking about? Days of Power. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm interested. I mean, we're gonna have to watch it because of the blood oath. But uh, I don't know. It could be okay. I think the description makes it sound a little interesting to me. 
It's based on true events, uh, according to this uh, review. And again, yes, it's about dog uh, puppy mills, which uh, I do you worry sometimes, Liam, when you hear that a movie is a message movie, that maybe the message will be a little clunky and unpleasant in the context and maybe uh, take away from the more engaging aspects of the movie? Uh, a little bit, but uh, I think so, with some message movies, uh, I don't know. The, it might be worth it to tell that story. I don't know. For me personally, like I, I think puppy mills are pretty gross. Uh, mm-hmm. So I could I could kind of see that being important, but yeah, I mean the, the the I guess the problem with the message movie is not that the movie has a message; it's our suspicion that um, and and I don't know that this is true when it comes to movies as opposed to other kinds of art. Mm-hmm. Our suspicion is that artists are motivated by something else other than a message, and so oh. that passion might be influenced by various political ideologies, but that that's not the only reason they're doing it. Um, I think the worry when it comes to something that's focused on a message, and this would also be true of something else we have to deal with watching Eric Roberts movies, which is faith-based material, is that Mm -hmm. the ideological motivation trumps any artistic uh, uh, inclinations you might even have because you're so focused on this one thing that the actual quality of the thing beyond that message sort of goes away. Um, On the other hand, that doesn't mean that having a message necessitates that it's just can happen that way so i I think being wary of them is fine but i'm sure you know we could watch a eric roberts puppy mill movie and it could be great it could be and we could find out more about it at daysofpower.com in fact liam we probably will watch it and why is that because you tricked me into promising to do this with my blood a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Uh, just going back to what you said before we take our first break, Liam, it's interesting because uh, a few episodes ago we mentioned an upcoming movie featuring Eric Roberts starring Kevin Sorbo and Brian the Boz Bosworth. And it uh, I forgot the name offhand, but it's a pro-Second Amendment movie, and they were promoting it by doing a giveaway of an AR-15 assault rifle. Um, and since the recording of that episode a uh, number of months ago, obviously that... The idea of having a weapon like that has become, well, it was always very controversial, and even at the time, and that was part of the reason they were using it as a publicity stunt. But I think even n- now so, uh, it's it's more controversial, and it's hard sometimes to square the intentions of the filmmaker if they seem very rough and unpleasant and, frankly, against my own politics with the the fact that we're watching this for the purpose of, of an Eric Roberts podcast. And, Liam, do you feel like we might have some trouble when it comes to watching that movie I just referenced? I think so, especially because um, it's not like they announced this AR-15 giveaway and then there was a shooting, but that, in right. fact, there have been multiple shootings uh, a few of which have featured AR-15s, uh, uh, at least one with a bump stock, that like uh, um, have been horrifying, and, and the issue has gotten more and more intense. So it's hard to because in some ways it could be perceived that we're offering support when we cover this material on this podcast that that we are endorsing this material, which of course, if you actually listen to the podcast, we probably don't endorse as often as we do, or we probably. As well, I, I said that wrong, we spend a lot more time making fun of things than we do saying you should see them. So <laughs> it, it, talking about something doesn't mean we'll endorse it. In fact, it might be the exact opposite. But simply bringing attention to it that might not already be there is is a concern. Um, and in that particular case, it might be like, you know what? There is funny enough, plenty of other Eric Roberts material for us to cover. We might not get to the AR-15 movie until we're dead. Until we're dead, the sweet release of death that you enjoy so much, Liam. You know, Liam, I think we're going to take our first break because I can feel Adriana getting angrier and angrier at the idea of having to talk about an ALF-related talk show. <laughs> let's, let, let's take a break. Let's come back and let all that anger, that sweet anger, out into the world. We'll be back after this with ALF's hit talk show from the year 2004. Join us, won't you?
Alf is back, and he's a talk show host. Yes, it's Alf's hit talk show from the year 2004. This was a, a series that lasted for six episodes on the television station TV Land, and it features Alf. Uh, Alf, in some sort of weird amalgam of his character that he played on the sitcom, in that he is an alien from the planet Melmac who likes to eat cats, but he's also uh, the... Uh, he recognizes within this series that he used to be on a television show. So I guess it's kind of breaking the fourth wall uh, a little bit willy-nilly. His sidekick on this show is Ed McMahon. Yes, The Tonight Show's famous Ed McMahon is his sidekick on this show, looking quite embarrassed, I would say. Uh, and for this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, we are featuring two episodes of Alf's hit talk show, the sixth and seventh episode that were aired. The seventh episode does indeed feature Eric Roberts. The sixth episode is what we're going to start with first. Now, uh, this uh, originally aired on the 6th of December, uh, sorry, uh, December 10th, 2004. This is the sixth episode. Uh, and it featured Tom Green as well as Linda Blair in a performance that we're going to talk about in some detail in just a moment. But I want to start with our guest, Adriana you didn't have a lot of strong background with Alf in regards to his sitcom. What did you think after watching this single episode of Alf's hit talk show? What did you think of it? Well, it made me want whatever 30 minutes back that I spent watching this <laughs> or however well, long this episode was. I mean, uh, a half hour and we did include commercials. So yeah, a full half hour. <laughs> but uh, I can't, I can't imagine anyone watching this talk show and enjoying it or looking forward to it every week. Uh, and I guess no one really did because, um, as I understand it, it didn't last very long as a show, but, uh, no, it's kind of fascinating because it's basically a distillation of all of the most obnoxious and hacky aspects of late night talk shows. And I, I don't understand how anyone looked at this show and thought, yeah, that really works. It's a very odd thing. Like, the, the whole phenomenon of a late-night talk show is kind of unusual, right? But it really requires a very quick-minded host. Someone who not only should be funny themselves, but also has a very strong interplay with other people, can make off-the-cuff comments. And while the voice of Alf, he has a very distinctive voice, it's, it's you know, he's funny-sounding, his ability to deliver jokes is Fucking awful. I mean, his monologue in this in this particular episode uh, is is so unfunny, and you can feel the audience who are laughing uproariously at every single joke. You can feel that there's kind of a discomfort growing within it because it's so bad. And he's dragging Ed McMahon into these bits, which are so unfunny and so lame and hacky and predictable and really kind of unpleasant to watch as well because it's so lame. And it makes you start to think, at least it made me start to think, is this on purpose? Is this supposed to be bad? Is he playing a hacky comedian like he's uh, some sort of weird meta meta version of the Larry, uh, Larry, um, the, the Jesus, what, what am I trying to say? Larry here? Sanders. The Larry Sanders show. Thank you, Liam. Uh, Liam, back over to you. What did you think of this episode of Alf's Hit Talk Show? Well, you kind of uh, you kind of flirted with what I was going to say about it, which is that um, Alf was a fucking scripted comedy, uh, and it probably had a team of writers. And uh, based off of his performance on this show, I'm going to go ahead and say the voice of Alf, not a primary writer on the show Alf. Um, because the show Alf, whether it was good or bad, it had jokes and Alf delivered those jokes. And on this show, uh, our man Fusco, um, <laughs> he can't figure out what the fuck a joke is. And when his guests make jokes or even set him up for jokes, he just can't follow. He's more, he is literally in a lot of ways, what Alf is supposed to be reminded, like Alf as a character is like your angry, awkward uncle, you know, it, that's how we function in the family was like, you know, they're the families living their lives as normal people. And then angry, drunk uncle comes in, in the form of an alien and just says stuff and whatever. Now in real life, that's not funny. Uncle, uncle Tom, who just woke up from the couch in the basement and is still drunk and comes up and starts commenting on Willie's, girlfriend that dude is the worst uh and what alf did was make it funny because he's an alien and he eats cats um the show is like 
the actual real version of Alf. Like Alf is no longer scripted. He's just a dumb alien and he's not funny at all. He never even comes <laughs> close to funny. And I'm saying this as someone who like I'm willing to admit that the Alf TV show was probably bad. But I'm unwilling to admit that the Alf TV show was probably as bad as this show. I would actually guarantee that there are more laughs in one episode of that scripted comedy than there is in the entire run of this fucking talk show. I could not believe how poorly this this was like uh this wasn't even like um like a like a improv troupe at a college bad. This was like a high school talent show bad. The other uh, credited writer for the Alf's Hit Talk Show is Sean Tweedley. And I only bring up his name because, A, he is a stand-up comedian and uh, I guess a fairly popular one. But he's also Canadian and he cut his teeth working on the Mike Bullard show up here in Canada. And that was a late-night Canadian talk show, Liam. And it was absolutely fucking horrible, but was surprisingly popular for a number of years. And it, it was it was very much a traditional talk show with the monologue bits and then, you know, Canadian guests or Americans visiting Canada at the time. But moving over to the idea of guests, we're going to talk about Linda Blair in just a moment. But Liam, could you just tell me your thoughts on Tom Green, the other Canadian element on this episode? I think um, it's very popular right now with a, a chunk of people that I'm friends with to think of Tom Green as like a misunderstood comedic genius. Um, but I think he's an asshole. I don't think he's funny. <laughs> I think he's a bad person. Uh, and, I, and I think the only funny thing that happens in this uh, hour of television we watched, both episodes, is when Alf is mean to Tom Green. That's the only thing that happens. And it's not a joke. I really think Alf was annoyed with Tom Green. Like, I think the guy playing Alf was like, I'm so sick of this dude, that he just was mean to him on purpose. And that's the only part where I kind of laughed a little bit and was like, fuck Tom Green. And that was it. There's that's a, all I got. There's a bit that they set up and go through in this episode where Tom Green is basically saying that he's going to help set up Alf on a date. And that bit just involves him showing pictures of different animals and some people. And then they're supposed to comment on them, but there are no setup jokes. They're just... They're all kind of just off-the-cuff comments, and it is fucking cringy as shit. But that's just my opinion. Adriana, your thoughts on Tom Green and that segment I just referred to? Uh, no, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I definitely agree with you. And there's also there was this weird moment where uh, Tom Green asks if he can have some of Alf's popcorn, <clears throat> yes. and Alf says uh, something to the effect of, "That's poppycock. It's okay. You can put that in your mouth." Like, haha! Isn't the uh -huh. idea of a man sucking dick so funny? Uh, that's probably as raunchy as this show got, but it also was very disconcerting to hear it come out of Alf's mouth. Oh, By the way, yeah. that, you did you did make a reference there. The one thing that separates this Alf talk show from other uh, late night talk shows is that he has like uh, uh, poppycock and candy and things kind of set out in front of him for the. Uh, for the guests to try out, which will play into a very wonderful bit of humor we'll get to in just a little bit. What did you? What do you think generally of Tom Green, Adriana? Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of Tom Green. Uh, I I don't. I find his, I find his brand of humor very juvenile and puerile and kind of lowest common denominator. But uh, it's it's funny that Liam brings up the fact that you know a lot of his. A lot of people he knows sort of see him as uh, this misunderstood genius because a major point of contention between myself and my boyfriend is the movie Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> uh, because my boyfriend is convinced that that movie is this like uh, absurdist surreal masterpiece, and I do not at all. Uh, so I, I can I can relate to Liam on that. I just. Uh, I, I find Tom Green really obnoxious and annoying. Thumbs down to Freddie Got Fingered, says Adriana. Uh, moving on through this episode, since we have a whole other one to explore, let's talk about the entire second segment of this show. So most of the episodes of Alf's uh, talk show had two guests. So a, a first guest, which would be a little bit more famous, and then the second. In the Eric Roberts episode, the second guest is Vincent Pastore. On this episode, there is no second guest. Instead, there is a fucking unbelievably strange sequence where I... And, and you, you might have to help me out uh, with this. The concept of it is that one of the writers on the show... Is this correct, Liam? 
that he's like an intern. He's basically an intern. The, the joke is that like Alf just he he was I think maybe Alf's driver or something, but in some way okay. this dude is like a fucking just jag off around the studio, like the guy who makes coffee. Someone who's around the studio is obsessed with Linda Blair, the actress from The Exorcist, and of course other things as well. And uh, Alf has decided to set him up on not a date because that would be even weirder, but like a get together and a picnic and, you know, a kind of a good, nice day with Linda Blair. So that sets up this segment where we see him go on this date. I said date again. Well, it is kind of set up like a date where she arrives in this limousine and he is incredibly awkward and intentionally so. I mean, he's playing, this is an actor playing a character, even though it's a little uncomfortable to watch because it kind of does tread into territory of how some people actually are. And it's very much just an opportunity to mock this person who is nervous and awkward and uh, and possibly has some mental issues. Um, and while Linda Blair is very nice and tries to make it all okay the whole time. That's a very strong simplification of what's going on here. But I do want to get both of your thoughts because it was the thing I took away from both of these episodes the most was this really strange sequence. Starting with you, Adriana. What did you think of this Linda Blair uh, fantasy? Man, I don't even know what to say about this. Like, I feel like she had to do that. I like. <laughs> I have to believe that she did this under duress. Like, the producers must have kidnapped her entire family, and their safe return was conditional upon her appearing in that segment. Because I cannot otherwise explain why she would participate. In this segment, like, it, like, was that the best material for Linda Blair that the writers could come up with? To, I, don't, I don't know. There's, there's a part of it where um, this, uh, this intern or whatever is trying to get out of like a paddle boat, and he's unable to do it because he's overweight, so he's kind of flailing a little bit, and the camera just lingers on him as, as he does it, and I felt so bad, not just for him or the actor playing him, but like. Everybody involved in this production yeah. who must have known what they were making was absolute shit. And also, they sometimes speed up the camera like it's a Benny Hill fucking uh, <laughs> a sketch or something along those lines. It's so bad, but also kind of – it really felt insulting as I was watching it. It's the point where I felt angriest at this show. But, Liam, you might have thought differently. What did you think of this Linda Blair segment? It's hard to imagine it being more painful than it was. Plus, what was the two – I'm trying to remember. What were the two films he specifically – he says The Exorcist, but what was the other movie? Oh, right. It was that TV movie from the 70s. Um, the, you mean the Linda Blair movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that movie, of course, was – if I could pull it up here in front of me <laughs> – was definitely not Savage Streets, unfortunately. Uh, it was Sweet Hostage, I believe. Yeah. Uh, when he said it – the way he said it just made me feel awkward. And I was like, is there some sort of weird, gross reference being made here that I don't get? Like, in other words, how old was she in this movie? What's going oh, on? She was, she was, it was from 1975. So she was still very young. And it's about Ugh. a, yeah, it's about her being kidnapped and taken to, anyway, it's, it's, I think that implication was probably intentional, but also unpleasant. Okay, like, don't get me wrong. Linda Blair has obviously had an interesting career. There's also that awesome picture of her with Rick James that's just, like, <laughs> next level amazing. So I kind of get the idea of, like, let's do something fun with Linda Blair. But this was not fun. There were no jokes. She really came across like this was – I mean, here's the thing. You know what would have been funny and not awkward? If she played it awkward. If it was like, oh, I'm hanging out with this awkward guy and it's really weird. Sure. But she absolutely. gets out of the limo and she just kisses this dude. And all of a sudden, the tone doesn't make any sense. And nothing about it makes any sense. And the joke just seems to be, this fat guy wants to hump Linda Blair. And we're just going to watch him be weird about it. And that... It was really strange. And I just, again, I was also thinking, what is in this for Linda Blair? Alf Show cannot have the kind of check to justify Linda Blair doing this thing right now. I mean, right. That was that uh, was kind of the, the point I was getting at, too. Like, I didn't see what the incentive was to participate. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, when 
at the time that they filmed this, certainly no episodes of this would have aired. So maybe they, she thought this was going to be a funny segment. On a, Remember that uh, segment many years ago where Mr. T goes to an apple farm with Conan O'Brien? And they, it's really, really funny. It's actually a really amusing segment. And Mr. T comes off really well. And it's really amusing and kind of random, but also really fun. Maybe she thought it was going to be something like this instead of everybody involved being humiliated by how terrible it was. But these things do happen sometimes, uh, and in this particular show, it happens a lot. So let's move on to the main event, episode number seven, the final episode of Alf's hit talk show, uh, an ironic name for that talk show, by the way. Uh, the final episode, it aired on December 17th, 2004. It features Eric Roberts as the head lead guest, uh, and we'll get to him in just a moment. Before we do... Did you, Liam, think this episode was better or worse than the one that came before? Well, it had to be better because it had Eric Roberts in it. That's a good point. What do you think about Ed McMahon, Liam? Um, he, he was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Excellent. Anything else? Mm, nope. Adriana, any thoughts on Ed McMahon? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he he uh, there's a sketch, I believe it was on the sixth episode or the first episode that we talked about, where there's a joke that Ed McMahon has to sleep on the couch that uh, that is on this talk show set. He has to sleep on it every night and they have some security uh, footage of him sleeping there. And uh, the, the added joke at the end was they wondered if they could get a sectional because he's having some family visiting. So what do you think about that joke, Adriana? Uh, I'm not I'm not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> All I felt watching this. Look, I have no particular I mean, it was kind of sad, I guess. Yeah, right? I mean, I don't have any particular affinity for Ed McMahon. I mean, I watched The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson when I was a kid. And, you know, he he was a sidekick. He was fine. But I did feel bad for this elderly man having to communicate with this puppet creature who is not funny and certainly is no Johnny Carson and have to actually participate in these fucking terrible sketches. Yeah, it's like he's... He got caught in some sort of talk show purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> and like at the beginning, you know, uh, longtime listeners of television might remember that uh, Ed McMahon's catchphrase was, here's Johnny. Well, at the beginning of this show, he has to say, here's Alf, which, I mean, I guarantee you when Ed McMahon died, they did not mention Alf's hit talk show in his eulogy in regards to the projects that he was most proud of. Liam, do you feel bad for Ed McMahon? I don't think I care about him enough to feel bad. I mean, I guess I felt bad in a general human sense that, like, no human deserves this sort of mouth, you know, uh, uh, this sort of mistreatment. Sure. Generally, I felt bad. But I don't care about him. I have no emotions about him. I don't even get um, side emotions from him because of Johnny Carson because I don't care about Johnny Carson. So, yeah, it it doesn't really matter to me uh, other than the idea that, like, just generally speaking, this is undignified. So I felt hmm. bad watching him be undignified. Undignified. It's a good way to put it, actually. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is this episode, this this final episode of the show, starts with Alf wandering into the writer's room and basically forcing his writers. He said that their humor is not kind of classic enough. It's not – I guess it's not um, – uh, it's not hitting the audience enough. So he wants them to use kind of classical comedy bits, including the classic peanut brittle can with a spring snake inside. So they set up some hilarity for the rest of this episode. It does kind of reinforce the idea that the Alf as a character on this show is supposed to be a hacky, terrible comedian and that it's his influence that's making the show bad but that doesn't really work because you got to watch the show and he's bad on it <laughs> but this uh, spring snake will come into play in just a moment so i did want to set it up myself a little bit eric roberts is the first guest he's on it for a very short amount of time uh what was the show that he was on promoting liam i actually have no idea they said it pretty quickly and i, I couldn't remember what, what it was it was the less show, than perfect less than perfect oh, we did feature yeah. We did feature the premiere of Less Than Perfect on uh, on Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man, I think pre-Liam O'Donnell, uh, many, many a year ago. Um, Less Than Perfect was a successful sitcom that ran from 2002 to 2006, but I believe Eric Roberts was only on the first season of it. But that is what he was promoting here. But the thing that I really want to talk about, starting with you, Adriana, tell me about Eric Roberts' belt. Okay, well, let me set up the scene first, because Eric Please. Roberts rolls up in this gray t-shirt and dad jeans. Not giving a fuck. <laughs> but 
he's got this some hidden flare in there because although it doesn't stay hidden for long because it's the first thing that Alf addresses in his interview, mm-hmm. but he has the seat belt that is like or no he has he has a belt buckle that is in the likeness of like a seat belt buckle. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly does. Which uh, you know I've seen those before, so it wasn't like this amazing new concept to me. But uh, I kind of wasn't expecting Eric Roberts to rock something so corny. I don't know. <laughs> but he pulls it off. He certainly seemed very proud of it. Or maybe he just had it, didn't really think anything of it. And then Alf was like, this is it. This is what we have to talk about. Followed by an anecdote of you and Ed McMahon running into each other at an appliance store. Yeah, and Ed McMahon is very quick. So Eric Roberts mentioned that he and Ed McMahon were shopping together. Uh, meaning at the same store at the same time, but Ed McMahon hastens to say, or hastens to clarify that they were not shopping together together. Don't want anyone to make any mistake that him and Eric have some sort of relationship together. Right, God forbid. God forbid. That said, the interaction between Ed McMahon and Eric Roberts made me kind of wish that this was an Ed McMahon talk show and that we could at least have a conversation between two adults. Liam! Eric Roberts comes out wearing his dad jeans, wearing his belt buckle. What did you think? I mean, I guess the belt buckle gag is kind of funny. <laughs> is it? <laughs> no, it's not at all. I, why Why is he on this show with Alf? This is just embarrassing. <laughs> I, get, I get that he has to promote this TV show. But, like, this just seems like a bump on the road. Like, okay, there are things that led him to things like um, – you know, stalked by my doctor, which is like a later era um, Eric Roberts thing that's like cool and I support it mm-hmm. and that's great. But this feels like more <laughs> down the other dark side leading to like Dark Moon Rising and shit like that. Like this is not a highlight of Eric Roberts's life to be on this Alf show. Uh, so Eric Roberts at one point. Alf mentions that maybe Eric might want to enjoy one of the snacks that's on his desk, and Eric reaches for maybe some poppycock or whatever, and then Alf goes, no, take the peanut brittle can instead. And Liam, what happens then? Well, as with all peanut brittle cans, as far as I can tell, because I've never actually seen peanut brittle in the wild. Well, it's always only available in can form. Everyone knows that. Yes. Uh, Well, uh, fake snakes come hurling out of the can surprising eric as it as they are wont to do he uh he pauses briefly to read the side of the can which says old-fashioned peanut brittle not to be confused with the modern kind and he opens it obviously knowing that spring snakes are about to come forth and starting to laugh even before that happens and he has to make a decision as an actor am i going to pretend to be scared by these spring snakes Am I going to ignore it entirely, or am I going to come up with some sort of amalgam where I go, ah, (laughs) while smiling at the same time? Honestly, considering how hacky and shitty it all was, I thought he pulled it off pretty well. What did you think, Adriana? Yeah, he really, uh, he handled that like the consummate professional he is. He takes it in stride, and I, I just love how game Eric Roberts is for anything. He was certainly a game for this dumb spring snake gag. And by the way, so they do that bit... They talk for like 30 more seconds, and that's it. Like, I know that this show is only a half hour long, but that interview was like six or seven minutes, and that's like the that is as much Eric Roberts as you're well, going to get. And, and well, if, if your guest has to leave early, what you really don't want to do is like really highlight that. And Alpha's like, I know you got to go. You can only be here for a little bit. I know you got stuff to do. You got to get out of here. Like, Alf, you don't have to blow up Eric's ego right now and be like, I know you're so important. You couldn't possibly spend time here with me, Alf. <laughs> Adriana, you were going to add something? Oh, I was just going to say, Eric Roberts did make some time. He did carve some time out at the end of his appearance to share this anecdote about the squirrel problem he and his wife have in their yard because she overfeeds all of these squirrels. So he has this like fat, slovenly squirrel problem. And I could just imagine him and his wife com- communing with the squirrels. And uh, it just seemed like a very... Eric Roberts' way of ending a talk show appearance. 
Oh, Adriana, you have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea. You see, longtime listeners of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man are very familiar with the Eric and Eliza Roberts Squirrel Sanctuary, which legitimately exists in the backyards of the Roberts home, where they have and they rehabilitate injured squirrels in their backyard. I guess it was just starting back in 2004, but that exists to this day, Adriana. If you go to Eric Roberts' house, you will have to commune with the injured squirrels. What do you think? I, I think it's really sweet. I like that uh, he and his wife care a lot about animals. I think it's commendable. They, they do. They love animals very, very much. And again, I like that that's part of his personality. And even if he does make bizarre comments on the Me Too phenomenon <laughs> to make it about cats, uh, I think it's coming from a positive and good place. Let's hope at the very least. Liam Vincent Pastore comes out after Eric Roberts. Uh, he's uh, What was his name on The Sopranos? I have no idea. Are you sure you don't know what his character was named? On oh, uh, Pussy. Big Pussy. Big Pussy. <laughs> he was Big Pussy on The Sopranos. Uh, he has a, I believe he's a bad person in real life. I might cut that out if I find out that he's not, but I believe he is. Uh, but he does have a surprisingly strong interplay with Alf on this show. I thought he was incredibly natural considering he was talking to what was literally a piece of felt. What did you think, Adriana? Are you a fan of Vincent Pastore? Um... Not particularly. Uh, and I have to be upfront with you guys. After the Eric Roberts segment, I turned this episode off. <laughs> well, as long as we're being upfront, I also turned it off about about two minutes into this Vincent Pastore interview. I'm the only but person who seem- watched this whole goddamn thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sucker. Jesus Christ. Uh, the Vincent Pastore thing actually was super tense. And there were multiple moments where I think Vincent was considering punching Alf in his felt face. I see. Yeah, it's, did it happen? No, nah, he it, it just it just never picks up. It never gets momentum, and you can tell the whole time. Uh, Vinny is sitting there thinking, "Yeah, I got killed off, but I was on the goddamn Sopranos. Like, why am I on this show?" <laughs> After I like how I like how all you're thinking, Liam, while watching the show is. These people must be so embarrassed to be on a show with Alf. Uh, We didn't watch episode number three of Alf's Hit Talk show, which featured Brian Cranston and Leon Redbone, Leah. Wait, is this – what era of Cranston is this? This was still Malcolm in the Middle era. Yeah, that's fine. Malcolm in the Middle. Wait, what year did Breaking Bad start? I want to say 2009. 2009, yes. So we're still – 2008, apparently. So we're still four years away from Breaking Bad. But it's still kind of funny to think of Brian Cranston talking to Alf, Liam, don't you think? No, that makes sense. All right. As long as that makes sense to you. Let's bring this thing to a head with the question that defines this very podcast we're all on. On episode number seven of Alf's hit talk show, is Eric Roberts the fucking man? Let's start with our guest, Adriana. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man? Uh, Well, this is kind of a tough call Mm -hmm. because... Ordinarily, I would say that Eric Roberts is definitely the fucking man, but appearing on this talk show and degrading himself to such a degree, I kind of have to question <laughs> his judgment. And uh, I think it's very difficult to be to maintain the manness when you are on the Alf talk show. But well, let me t- let me tell you a little something about a show called Cool Cat Finds a Gun. <laughs> 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 no, I'm sorry. Please continue. Oh, uh, well, I was going to say is that uh, I think Eric Roberts, uh, ultimately, he still kind of exudes that Eric Roberts-ness that makes him so uh, endearing. So I'm going to say that he is the fucking man. It's borderline, but Adriana says that Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Over to you, Liam. Agree or disagree? I was pretty excited to deny him on this one because this talk <laughs> show is real bad. I heard um, you denied him three times. Yeah, I'm ready to. Uh, but but the issue but the issue is that uh, the you know the peanut brittle gag that didn't win me over the belt buckle thing didn't win me over and I certainly wasn't even vaguely charmed by the fucking uh, anecdote with Ed McMahon but what won me over was the unnecessarily bringing up the squirrel sanctuary uh, like that he they're taking care of these squirrels because I just love that he bring, brought up the squirrels. We we're talking about the squirrels. And I don't know, something about that really won't be over. So I got to go with, uh, yeah, he's the man. I mean, come on. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, says Liam O'Donnell. Eric Roberts 
is the fucking man on the short-lived ALF talk show. Uh, this show is awful. It's really, really bad. It might be one of the worst, if not the worst, late-night talk show I've ever seen. And it's uh, there's a lot of really awful late-night talk shows. In fact, most of them are pretty bad. So that's really saying something. I would not recommend going out and searching out episodes of ALF's hit talk show. There are clips and some episodes on YouTube if you want to check out to see how bad it actually is. If you're a fan of ALF, why don't you let us know? Why don't you go over to ericrobertsistheman.com and tell us about it. But with that said, we need to take our final break. When we return, we will talk uh, to uh, Adriana. We'll do some plugging and we'll say goodnight. I still dream of Oganone. I wake up crying. You're making rain, and you're just in reach. When you in sleep escape me, you're like my And that was episode number 69 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thanks to our guest tonight, Adriana Gober, who took time out of her very busy schedule to come and talk to us about this awful ALF programming. Adriana, thank you so much. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me at Cinepunks writing occasionally. <laughs> Not as much as I, I would like for Wiam. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at, at Lights. At Jerry the Lights, and of course we'll put that in the show notes. We should mention, by the way, that Adriana and myself are uh, currently in the process of putting together a series of articles uh, tracing the career, the filmography of Pier Paolo Pasolini, the famous Italian director. Uh, and one of those articles is already up at Cinepunks.com, and we're currently working towards the uh, the second one featuring his second film, Mama Roma, uh, and uh, and we'll be getting to that very soon. But yeah, if you want to check out the first episode on Akatone, that's on uh, Cinepunks.com right now. Liam, we're, 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 we're promoting you even without you promoting yourself. What do you think? What do you got to promote for us right now? Um, I, I will just say that uh, people should go to Cinepunks to read Adriana's writing and her editing, by the way. Uh, mm. She's one of our uh, very helpful editors. Um, we're, we're basically at the point where I don't have to do anything for the website. So I just hang back and I just tell How them. How much is she being paid for that? Oh, man, so much. You don't even know. <laughs> we just make hand over fist. No, that's not really trying to do much. But, but uh, uh, we... Uh, I'm trying to think what's new that I should be having up. We have a few new pieces up from Nick Spachek and uh, Jaime Burchart, who was a guest on this year program. Um, and there's a new episode of Har Business that should be going up tomorrow. No, this is coming out on Monday. That should have come out last week. <laughs> Liam, Cinepunks is always doing well, and people can find you on Twitter as well. At Liam Rules, that's R-U-L-Z, all one word. Check out Liam, follow that. him. No, it's... Yeah, they do, Liam. You always got interesting stuff to say, and usually it's just retweeting me, so that's good stuff, right? <laughs> that's my best Twitter work is when I retweet. There you go. Well, I try. I look, a, a rising tide and all that. Follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E. Why? You can also find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at NoBudgetPodcast.com or on Twitter at NoBudgetPodcast. But if you want to support Eric Roberts is the fucking man, why don't you follow us on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M or go over to EricRobertsIsTheMan.com. You can check out our older episodes or subscribe via iTunes. If you left us a review, we'd make, uh, I was going to say, we'd make you very happy. You'd be making us very happy. And in turn, we will make you very happy. There's also an Eric Roberts is the fucking man group on Facebook. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on there. But with that all said, it's time for us to close up the Eric Roberts bag for another week. We'll be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. <laughs>